Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of the Bruise Day Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. I'm joined today by Wes and Andy. How's it going, you guys? Doing good. Hanging nice. in there, Josh. Hanging in there. <laughs> On today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about dive bars. Uh, how they compare to some of the other fancier spots we may frequent now. And a couple of the more interesting themed bars you may have been to or want to go to. A couple on my list I have not been to yet. Uh, we'll also cover some interesting untapped news, at least in my opinion. Uh, World Series Big Board, which Andy and I are very excited for. Um, and our traditional good, bad, or ugly. So with that, cheers, guys. Cheers. So today's Cheers Beer of the Week is a Spruce Tip IPA uh, out of Upslope Brewing Company. It's a 7.5% ABV, 57 IBU. The untapped average is a 379, which is, you know, it, it's a decent beer. There's about 2,500 check-ins. Um, I was kind of purchasing it and, and brought it to you guys in hopes that uh, it, would, it would have that interesting spruce flavor, but interested to see what you think. So I'll jump in first, Josh. I'm getting like a very like odd, like citrusy sweetness to it more so than I thought. Spruce tip, kind of knowing that it's, it should be piney. The description on the brewery's website talks about it being piney, but also citrusy with a medium body. I don't really get as much pininess as I do almost like a very like faint, sweet citrus. And that's a little <laughs> surprising just based off the name and what I'd read up on the beer. One thing I will say, great color in the glass. It's like a, a good like light amber color and it, it is a very prototypical beer color and so i am enjoying it in the glass it's good head kind of fades away pretty quickly but andy you nailed it on the head i, I literally while you're saying that <laughs> yeah. i read the uh description on upslope's brewing upslope brewing's website and they straight up say highlighted by notes of candied orange peel and fresh pine needles so I feel like the exactly what you were saying is that like sweet citrus is like candy yeah. orange peels is perfect. Um, I I agree with you. It's a, it's pretty citrus forward. I do get notes of pine, mm -hmm. and I actually do taste pine in it. Um, I like it. I I think it's really good. Uh, I was telling you guys before this started that I've had the Sculpin spruce tip that they put out a while back. I don't think they've had it for a while. Um, and in my opinion, that was way too piney it's like yeah. you you took it and you didn't taste sculpin anymore you just tasted pine which was aggressive so i'm happy to see this one's a little lighter i do think it could have a little bit more um but it's a really good beer overall yeah andy i think i i got the exact same thing you and Wes did um the can mentions uh sort of lemon peel i get a lot of that i don't know if it's because i happened to have read the can before before i had one but that aftertaste is sort of that mix of malt and pine. So I'm liking it. I feel like I'm pretty close to the average 3.8, um, maybe a 3.9. Are you guys sort of in that same sphere? Are you a little lower, a little higher? Yeah, I think I'm in the 3.8 range. I don't really the, – the slight sweetness kind of just, I don't know, pushes me off of it a little bit. I was hoping yeah. it would be a little bit more piney, a little bit more hot for it. I do get some hot bitterness at the end, but for me that – kind of sweet citrus really overpowers it. But Josh, you mentioned lemon peel. Do you also get a maybe an aroma or a taste of snow melt 
that's <laughs> also one of the ingredients on the can. Melt. I, I honestly I don't know what snow melt smells like, um, but I assume that's water. just to uh, yeah. I, I think it's just to say that there's water in here. Yeah, I, I I agree with Andy. It's it's a little too sweet. I actually don't feel like I get a hop bitterness at the end. I feel like I get more of like a citrusy bitterness at the end, like that very like orange peely flavor hmm. rather than yeah. kind of like a hoppy punch. And there's no hops at front. So if you're going to put sweetness, for me personally, uh, my preference, if you're going to put a little bit of sweetness into a beer, like I want the hop at the end to kind of balance that out. And, and I don't really get that. So I feel like that it kind of like peaks in the middle at that sweetness and um, doesn't no get kicks balanced. in the mouth. Yeah. Didn't get kicked in the <laughs> mouth afterwards. <laughs> it's good though. I, I still think, I still think I'm like a three, seven, which is still yeah. a good rating. It's just, I just something missing. And I can't really put my finger on what it is. All right. So let's go ahead and jump straight into our first topic. Um, it, it's something Andy and I, we've been to a lot uh, together, uh, but sort of dive bars as a theme and as a whole um, dive bars are placed. We've all found ourselves in them. Um, the term, as I kind of looked online, it's, it's, often abused uh descriptions are somewhat subjective some people will classify one thing as being a dive bar some people another um, what i actually found sort of real straightforward and, and one of my favorite dictionaries being urban dictionary described and i'll just read it a well-worn unglamorous bar often serving cheap simple selections of drinks to regular clientele and they just kind of ended at that i think that's fitting but it's missing some of those like real key indicators that I have a feeling you guys are going to call out for me. What do you think? Does that sort of fit the bill? Are there some other things that you would classify a dive bar as? I see a whole lot of places that are a bit nicer just being called dive bar because they're a little darker and, and maybe, you know, don't have a certain amenity or two. Yeah, Josh, I feel like that definition just I can pick one part out of it that I agree with so much <laughs> and it's well worn. And I was actually reading an article on a guy who was, I, I, I can't remember exactly the article, but I'm going to make fun of him a little bit. So that's probably good. But it was a little like snooty. Like he was like, this is exactly the what qualifications of a dive bar. But he did say the one thing I agreed, he's like, most dive bars are a resurrected like diner or nicer bar that they bought and just haven't done anything to a long time. It's just something that's just been worn down so I, I definitely agree with that part um really when i think of a dive bar my first my mind first jumps to like a dimly lit bar probably just some like if there's food it's like peanuts on a table or like just like snack yeah. maybe food popcorn. was poured out of a bag yeah yeah maybe popcorn <laughs> on the table you know they, they had to microwave that um and just kind of like cheap booze like bottled beer cheap booze beers like and always have some sort of special um and there's always every time you ever go there there's at least a couple guys that are there every single time and right. that's they not live there. the bartenders yeah <laughs> yep yeah Wes I'll build a little bit on your kind of well-worn comment following up on Josh it can't be manufactured it has to be right almost earned over time yeah like someone just didn't care enough to clean and then just over time that became the norm i i think of i think of like slightly damaged pool tables that have <laughs> yeah. like no sticks that don't have like a, a felt tip 
or there's a bump on the table or you have to nudge it extra hard when you put your quarters in something along those lines it has a charm of its own like a dingy charm like i use the word dingy as like a term of endearment for dive bars because it needs to have that level of like dinginess to it in the article josh that you sent us from vice uh, there's a specific quote from a, a woman named Kathy, um, I believe it's Goofree, that they interviewed in it. It's, you can love a dive bar, even think of it as home, but still be disgusted by it. And maybe that's why you love it <laughs> yeah. in the first place. And absolutely, it's a place that you love to go, you love to drink, but you also like, you know, it's dingy. You're a little scared of like certain areas of the bar and you know, you shouldn't touch certain things or you should definitely wash your hands after <laughs> touching certain things. I can easily say that every, what I would consider a dive bar, every single one of them, I don't care how much I wash my hands after going to the bathroom. I feel dirtier overall by going into the bathroom. I feel like a dirty bathroom is like a requirement, weirdly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the other things that I that I personally think of and, and it really takes me back to and um, when I hear the term dive bar, when I think about dive bars, and Josh, you mentioned it kind of in your intro, but I think of me in my early 20s just really trying to find the cheapest beer. Mm -hmm. Cheap beer. I didn't care where it was. It was, I wanted a cheap Coors Light, straight, like just standard beer. I don't think you really touched on it in your intro, but a couple of the articles that I looked at that you sent over to us, Josh, talk about either, you know, basically not having craft beers. Right. is somewhat like of a five beers total. determining factor. And there's definitely some, some dive bars that I would consider dive bars that had maybe one craft beer, but it was a like very well known, like an anchor Steve or something. Right. And that was the one craft beer they have. And then everything else is very mainstream domestics or imports. And so I, I think at most like one craft beer, either on tap or on, you know, can or bottle. Andy, you kind of cover. There, there's two things that that I would think of is is one, you would kind of walk in and if you weren't a sort of normal uh, patron of, of a dive bar, everybody who is sort of turn, everyone kind of turns and looks at you, like, oh, who's this guy? And like, why is he? Oh here? yeah, like everyone he doesn't gets belong when you walk He's in. He's not yeah. here on Tuesdays. Like, what is this? Um, and then the other piece is, I feel like anytime you'd go in, I would always default to, to your point, Andy, something cheap. Coors, you know, in a grenade bottle and somehow there'd be some deal that you didn't even know about where they would also offer you the worst possible shot on the side. That's just, Oh yeah, this is free. And it, it comes with it. Yeah. Well, Josh, to your point about everyone looking at the door, if it's someone they all knew almost kind of like that cheers moment where it's like, Oh, Hey, so-and-so like you, everyone gets acknowledged <laughs> if you're the regular, but if you're they're always expecting it to maybe be a regular, but they're always looking at who's coming in the door. Yeah. See, I don't think of a dive bar as like, you're not welcome by those normal people. I think you hit right. perfectly, Andy. It's like, they're all expecting their buddy to walk in the door and they're like, yeah, you're not oh, Kevin. That's not him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just more, yeah, more confused than they are uh, like mad at you for being there. Yeah. Yeah. I read one article. Uh, it was by Rick Paulus on psmag.com. Um, he called it the elusive definition of a dive bar, which really touches to what Josh, you're kind of saying is like, what is it? What, like, it's such a, such a broad definition and everybody has their own definition. 
Um, he did point out that the Oxford English Dictionary has a definition that says a dive is a shabby or sleazy bar or similar establishment. Uh, the Merriam-Webster also has a definition, and it's a shabby and disreputable establishment as a bar or nightclub, which I think is hilarious because both of those definitions are subjective as fuck. Like, you... It, oh, yeah. What, Still what not is, a definition. Yeah, what is sleazy or shabby to me is going to be completely different to the next person, you know? And, like, yeah, if if, if you're in Scottsdale, Arizona, right by me, like, I think there's going to be a, a lower tolerance for shabby, as they say, but, like, I like shabby. Like, I, I that's good, and I'm going to walk into one and yeah. probably not even call it that. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like weird definitions and you feel like even with such official dictionaries like that, like that doesn't actually define it in any way. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point. I guess it's, maybe that just means each it person is defi- yeah, it's defined by yourself, I guess. is what yeah. I like. I'd also say that the people who do frequent, and this used to be me, but more frequently go to dive bars are probably missing people in, in our kind of current circumstance where we're all mostly stuck at home they're missing their like local friends who they're they're sitting and, and having a chat with on, on a weekly basis, even more so than, than maybe somebody who's just normally going to breweries or tap rooms. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the social outing of, of your week where you can go and, and hang out with your, your local dive bar buddies. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a, it creates a sense of community. It has its own community of the regulars mm-hmm. and it, you know, regardless of one's opinion on the type of community or whether it's a positive or negative community, it's still a community of, of people who, you know, you get to engage with. So with that said, do you guys have a couple of sort of favorite dive bars? Maybe you haven't been in a while. I would also be sort of interested to know if, if some of these that you list off, you haven't been to in a couple of years. Um, but do you have a couple favorites in, in your local area or maybe one of the, the few places that we've all lived? Yeah, Josh. So it's, since I'm new to Tacoma, Washington specifically, I actually, and since I got here during all of the stay at home, I haven't really been able to identify or go to what I would consider to be a dive bar. For me, mostly it's been beer bars, which I know we'll touch on later, and brewery tap rooms. So in Tacoma specifically, I can't say I've really identified anything, but I definitely have strong ties to the LA area. That's where I'm from originally. So there's a few dive bars that really stand out to me. One, I, you know, Josh, you and me went to the (laughs) office downtown. It had, I would say it was a dive bar. I still think it's somewhat of a dive bar, but unfortunately it lost its charm a little bit of the way through us living there. It had, you know, it was the type of place where you could go and you could staple your own dollar. They would give you a a staple gun and you got to staple your own dollar to the wall. Now, I don't know if that's a good idea and in an establishment (laughs) that sells alcohol, but that was one of the things that, that created that sense of like community and that charm that specific place had. And all three of us have dollars that were up there for for years but eventually yeah. the the owner took all the doll took all the money down i'm assuming to at least make a month's rent or something like that and like paint it over and and that that place really lost that sense of charm for me so that was one place in in kind of the la area that's in el segundo 
Andy, and I then, feel like that, that one specifically, it was less of a destination, more of we would get drunk somewhere and it was always on the way home. So it just sort of worked out and we'd stumble in there. And, and I'm sure they probably didn't even really like us being there. I've stolen a cue ball from there. Yeah, that's true. That's also where you, uh, oh, I guess that incident, you you got asked to leave that establishment. So yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> one of the other places for me, uh, more so I found from from working once i got out of college it's a place in playa del rey so still kind of like western los angeles it's called prince of wales and it's in playa del rey california it is a just like a true like almost like beach dive bar and one of the things that really sold me on it as a dive bar was on friday afternoons if you went kind of in that happy hour time frame after work they just had trays of like fried finger food just out for perusing. <laughs> so they had a kitchen. They're going to be allowed they to like do that anymore. <laughs> I don't know. No. I don't know if they actually had a kitchen. I never saw a food oh. menu, but on Friday afternoons, it would be like onion rings, French fries, <laughs> like chicken fingers, taquitos, just grab one. Uh, all of the just like freezer frozen food that you could heat up in a microwave or, mm -hmm. or drop in a deep fryer really quick. That was that was the type of finger food they had on on a Friday afternoon. So those are, those are two for me that, that really stand up from back home in LA. Yeah. So I'm actually going to eat my words a little bit here. And I just called out Scottsdale and honestly, one of my favorite dive bars here is called Patty's. It's in old town Scottsdale. It's awesome. And I honestly just thought of it because Andy, they do the same dollar bills everywhere. It is dirty, but it's awesome. The only beer I've ever gotten there is just bottled I usually get bottled Budweiser because if I'm going bottles of beer at the bar, that's usually what I go with. Yeah, yeah. heavy. I don't know why. I just like it. Um, the other it's one, uh, yeah, the other one in Phoenix, um, I would call out is Little Woody's. It's it's pretty cool. It's like very dark. Honestly, they do a good job of like keeping it pretty clean. If you turn the lights on and went in there, you'd probably walk in and be like, no, this is a nice mm -hmm. place, but they keep it dark enough to where it feels very dive bar-y. <laughs> they certainly have a dive bar menu, um, pool tables, our small arcade games. Um, it's, it's a really cool spot. And I think one that all of us know and love, and you know I love because I used to live right next to it, is Boulders on Broadway in Tempe, Arizona, um, is a great place. It's tough to call it a dive bar because they have a full like full yeah. menu, but this place has been. It looks like a ski lodge inside in of Phoenix. like in in the middle of Phoenix, but it also looks like a ski lodge that has not been redone for twenty five years. So it's like yep. <laughs> it touches that. They've got a good beer selection actually. So it's like they almost like almost cut over to like a, yeah. a beer bar or like a tap room but like it, it's still very divey in there like the tvs are old it's it's a cool it's a, it's a good spot it cuts into some of what i was when i was sort of researching and, and thinking about this episode a lot of the the people who would describe a beer bar would describe it as dingy dungy you know dirty whatever but any place that they frequent People like to just consider it like I know you went to Boulder's ton. People like to consider it a dive bar just because it feels like you're you're sort of building that sense of community there. Cause not having been to Boulder's as often as you had, I might not classify it that way, but you know, it, I think that's why it's so open to interpretation. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would abs- I my personal opinion on boulders is that it's not a dive bar. But again, Josh, to your point, I have not frequented that place as much as Wes has. I, and I think once you, I, I think it's, yeah, it gives you that sense of community, but I think you also, the more you get to know the place, the more you right. get to know the people that work there, the more you get to feel how all the tables are rickety and like that yeah. kind of stuff, you start <laughs> understanding that it's like, maybe not as nice as you think it is. Right. You know? So, maybe oh, so you only too. took us to the good tables inside? It, yeah. I, and I'm not, this, <laughs> that is nothing against Boulders on Broadway. I love that place. This is, these are all. These things, there's just things I love about that place to be honest. No, I don't, I mean, Josh, to your point about kind of the term dive bar being subjective, I don't even view the term dive bar as a bad term. No, No, it's a term of endearment for a bar that I have a strong affinity for and really enjoy going to. Um, and Andy, the only one I'll call out in LA, and and I had the uh, benefit of, of working near you for really only a couple of months, uh, sort of in the Venice area. Um, but we would go to Hanano's uh, every so often for lunch. I feel like that that fits the bill. It's sort of close oh, yeah. to the beach. Um, they do have food. They make a really good hamburger. But the whole rest of the place is just sort of uh, run down. It's very local only. I don't think there's a whole lot of people coming into town to go there. Um, and, and I always thought that was kind of a cool spot. Yeah, I think nowadays, too, with Hanano Cafe and a few other places, if you take cash only, that's like already a step towards yeah. dive bar status. You can't accept a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> if you have just like a crap ATM that has like a $4 fee or higher, <laughs> you might be a dive bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the last thing I'll mention, and it kind of harps back uh, West to, to what we were talking about with boulders is that, you know, is the term overused or there places that are just certainly not dive bars that, you know, people just call that because it, it fits their mental bill of what that means. The one that I'll call out that, that you've all been to, and I know about half the people in LA would call it a dive bar and half wouldn't, um, but Naja's place in Redondo Beach. It's right on the water, has sort of that old wooden feel, kind of has a kitchen, has a huge beer selection, which which to me kind of takes it out of that dive bar category. Yeah. But like, how does that feel to you in terms of, is that a dive bar, yes or no? And then how do you feel about the term overall? I think, I think we've already talked about it being overused, but is it, or, or can people kind of use it how they, how they'd like it? I'm going to touch on nausea's first though. If you can't tell me that if, if you just took that beer selection away, you, there's no chance in the world. Either of you would say that's not a dive bar. It fits the yeah. bill yeah, that's perfectly. True. Every yeah, bit of beers. it fits that bill, except for it has a great tap list. I actually agree with you. But if somebody came and was like, that's a dive bar, in no way would I be like, no, it's not. I'd be like, right. yeah, you're right, it is. Like, I, I wouldn't argue <laughs> that. <laughs> um, I I do think it's overused. I'm going to go back to Andy's point of like, you can't build a dive bar. And I think that happens a lot. I think people make a brand new bar and want to call it a dive bar to make it sound cooler. And that's just not like, it's not, to me, that's not what it is. That's not what it makes it. It's, it, it can't be new. Like it just, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I think you have, I do really think, Andy, I think you might've already said this, but like you really have to earn Oh yeah. the name yep. dive bar. Like I think it's way overused to be honest. Yeah, Wes, I would agree with you entirely. You can't, you can't just put distressed wood and turn the lights down in a yeah. new bar and say That's it's a, a homie bar. bar. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is like, I don't know, a little like, 
hipster spot or like somewhere that's like trying to be trying to create a divey environment and that you can't you can't create that it just it happens over time basically due to neglect exactly (laughs) yeah the the new ones like you're saying andy the new ones are like they're trying to be a dive bar that the 55 year old couple would still go to because it's not actually gross yeah because they're still going to charge you a dive bar they're still going (laughs) to charge you like eight dollars a beer right exactly well i mean the eight dollar beer sort of gets us into the next piece of it which i think all of us frequent more often now uh, but sort of the more uh, modern beer bar, we can call it a tap room, we can call it a brewery, uh, but somewhere that is just modern, nice, fancy, serving you those eight to ten dollar beers. The, sort of the the description of those, it, it's really just anything that isn't a dive bar at this point. Sort of fits that bill for me. Um, what is what is the benefit if you're trying to decide between going to a dive bar and a tap room or a brewery? How are you making that choice? Yeah, Josh, I think there's a a real almost like a struggle that I feel personally when I'm deciding where I want to go drink, whether that's going to be a, a dive bar, someplace that feels very familiar and I feel comfortable going into regardless of what state I may currently be in or whoever may else be there. I think for me, I know personally, but I think for, for us, the three of us and, and Rob, we are constantly searching for unique beers and dive bars do not carry unique beers because their tap lists do not rotate their bottles can list does not change they are like they're serving the person who wants budweiser in a bottle every time that person arrives so unfortunately i've definitely shied away from dive bars over the last few years as we've gotten more and more involved in and untapped and and really just trying to find those unique beers. And so for me, the hardest decision to make is do I want a unique beer or do I want a beer that I know is not going to be unique? Yeah, it's it's tough to make that decision. And I, I think like it's just the same thing. It's just now I've gotten myself addicted to craft beer and good craft beer. So it's pretty hard to go back to the to the dive bar. I will say that the one thing I, I do like about the dive bar is it's it's way more casual. And if we're, we're just with a group of friends and it happens that like the three of us, if we're together, we like drinking unique beers, but not everybody I know just loves and going trying fancy beers, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's almost a little more fun and casual to go to that dive bar. It's, I, I mean, casual with an emphasis on casual. Uh, it's just a little bit like simpler, you're probably just gonna be able to do whatever you want, sit wherever you want, um, and drink cheap drinks. So, I mean, and it's, it's always, I don't know about you guys, but before we move fully into the, the modern beer bar, it's always hard as like a craft beer lover to bring friends to craft beer bars that don't necessarily love craft beer because they're going to get there and be like, what the fuck? I have to pay $9 for a beer. <laughs> yep, like, right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I know not everybody likes doing that. Well, and yeah, then you I, say, do they have Coors Light? And you're like, no, no, They're like you're gonna have to get something else. If you're gonna go have like a, a long conversation with an old friend, a dive bar might be the spot because you can go and have you know three Coors Lights and it's fine, and and nobody's gonna be sort of out in the cold trying to figure out what they want to order. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and for us, we've all kind of 
expressed a frustration almost in a maybe a little bit of shame and guilt of the fact that we have to, you know, send servers away and say, we're not ready yet. We need to look at this beer list. I need to open my app and compare everything. When you have five beers and you know, all of them you've had before, it's much easier just to choose the one mainstream domestic or import that you want in that moment versus trying to analyze a menu and compare it against your phone app. Yeah, what a weird concept. Look at the beer list yeah. and pick the one you like the most. <laughs> None of us didn't do that. What are you yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> so I mean those but these so these dive bars, they they're obviously struggling along with pretty much most of the other beer alcohol industry. Do you like tap rooms seem to have been replacing dive bars and I kind of wonder if they may make a small resurgence once we're all able to to sort of go back out and and go places. Um, versus the sort of direction they were going where I think a lot of people were headed to tap rooms. Would you guys agree with that statement? Do you feel like, you know, they're still in trouble and, and most people are going to, to tap rooms or breweries? I think I partially agree with your statement. It's hard for, for me to talk about our group because we are so focused yeah. on trying new beers. So our reliance on the dive bar has dwindled. I know for me personally, that is absolutely the case because of the lack of diversity and, and unique rotating beers that a dive bar is going to have. I will concede that dive bars have started to, as craft beer has grown exponentially and, and microbreweries are popping up almost everywhere. Dive bars are, are getting into craft beer more. They're getting that local beer. They're getting, they're partnering with a microbrewery or something where you're not having necessarily to maybe get it, get the beer from a distributor. The brewery can just drive down the street and drop off kegs. So dive bars are getting into craft beer more, but for, I would say for people like the three of us, not so not enough for me to really consistently drive back to a dive bar just based off of rotating beer list. Yeah, it's, it's tough for me to say and tough for me to admit, but kind of similar to Andy. I mean, if I'm just one, if I just want to go get some beer to drink at home right now, especially because right now, I mean, no one likes to talk yeah, about it, but we're still anywhere. in the COVID situation and you can't really go as many places. So you're probably getting beer and drinking at home mostly. Like I'm going to go to the tap room where they have beer or they have cans for me to purchase to go and I can go there, get a get a beer on draft and then come home with more beer, which you can't do at a dive bar. But also there's the big thing that I am now an adult with a wife who probably doesn't want to go to the dive bar that only has like <laughs> shitty cocktails and yeah. shitty beers. She wants like a glass of wine or like a kombucha or like a hard kombucha or something, which I can't argue with because I like the fancy beer too. So it's like, I'm certainly going to tend towards the other way now. And I think Andy's, Andy's right that I feel like they are I do see them starting to like kind of adapt like there's one next to me pretty close to me called the bar and it is it is a I would say it's a newer dive bar but if it's new I they must have brought furniture in from a different place like it's like used (laughs) furniture from an old dive bar (laughs) Um, but it's a it's a great place it they've the only thing on the menu is burgers and they're burgers and wings, like one burger and wings that are like two flavors. That's it. Very good. But 
they are they they had a tap list that literally hasn't changed since I've been bet since it's been open, which is like 12 things, 12 beers, 12 generic beers have been the same. We went there a week ago and all of a sudden they had like six different cans from uh local breweries. And I feel like that's a little bit of Josh, what you're alluding to is them being like, Oh shit, we need to adapt or yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go under. So maybe maybe that's some truth to seeing that they are struggling and they need to adapt. Well, and that's a good point. So when you guys are seeing, you know, even modern beer bars or regular tap rooms or dive bars trying to evolve, how would you define sort of the, that modern tap room, whether or, or beer bar, whether it's a, you know, small place trying to improve or just somewhere that's already great trying to make it even better? Like what is, what's that sort of new way? What do you feel when you're walking into a, a modern beer bar? I mean, there's a giant variance in what can be yeah. a modern beer bar. Like you're, you're talking like we were saying it's hard to define what a dive bar and everybody has a different definition. I feel like maybe not definition wise, but like it can be, it's such a wide spectrum of what a beer bar is. But honestly, what I think of nowadays, especially with the newer ones coming up, the best way I can describe it is like take a modern hipster coffee shop take the coffee out of it, put 10 beers behind a 10 beers on tap behind a bar. And you have like what I consider a modern beer bar nowadays. They're pretty brand new places. They've got good beer selections. They've just like hire someone you can pick good beers. And like, that's what it is. Just very hip new establishment. I, yeah. I feel like that's the best way I can put it. I love that you're describing last week. I mentioned civil poor in Dallas, which was a coffee bar who just added beer. Like instead mm -hmm. of even getting rid of the beer, they just like, or yeah. getting rid of coffee, they just added beer and yeah. and now they're both. Yeah. I think Wes, to your, to your point about that kind of wide variety, I can, I kind of narrow it down to two. There is the, I guess, modern beer bar that I like and the modern beer bar that I'm not really a fan of or modern tap room. And I use the term modern very specifically because the design, the aesthetic mm. is very modern, almost to the point of coming off as sterile. Like uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not knocking the beer because the beer is good. We drank them last week, but Josh, you have been there Manhattan beer company out of Dallas, Texas. Yeah. They're, brewery is very new and very modern and it has that i don't know like it's like pristine like i yeah, don't it's, like sit down and get comfortable because you like yeah. mess up the chairs or the couch exactly yeah and it's like they have it's not they don't even they have like other seating other than just like stools and a bench they have like modern chairs and a and I'm not a really big fan of that style. Yeah, Andy, I feel like I, I agree. Like, and I guess when I was thinking of it as the, the right way, and you're probably going to go to exactly what I was thinking for the other way, but that that style that I just described, I feel like that's like, hey, we're in a city and we are just inserting beer, like modern beer bar into the city. And I feel like that's what we're describing. They're like, we got to be hip in the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, the other side of that are the are the modern beer bars that I'm really become a fan of. And, and Josh, you and I have been to one back in LA select beer store. Yeah. Where it's a mix of 
seated, like seated tables, like and select didn't even have a huge tap list, but what they had was a huge bottle can section fridge section that you could either buy there and drink there or buy and take home. And so that mix of retail plus seated and w- without that, that super modern sterile aesthetic and just kind of, you know, being what it is, not trying to be too much or not trying to be too much of one thing, whichever you're trying. Um, in, in Tacoma, there's a place called Peaks and Pints, which I go to and I'm become a huge fan of. They actually just opened up for seated drinking, which I just was able to do late last week. But they have a, a big fridge section. They have about 28 taps, constantly rotating, always bringing in the newest and latest beers from Oregon, Washington, Idaho. And it's, it's that type of aesthetic yeah. and Wes, I'll kind of lead you into this and I'll let you talk about it. But tortoise one, the wandering tortoise in, in Phoenix, Arizona, I would say fits in that same bill. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I can't talk about modern beer bars without talking about <laughs> wandering tortoise. And it's exactly what Andy's saying is it's, it's not like the fancy modern thing. It's a little bit more casual um, it's, it's huge beer fridge. It's a, it's a to go place that you can get growlers and cans to go, but it's just casual. And the biggest thing is that the bartenders know a lot about beer and they can help you choose, which is huge. That's yeah. the biggest thing that I want at a, at a modern beer bar is I want to be able to have a conversation with the bartender about what their favorite beer is and why it is. And then if I don't like that idea, I can say, well, I'm looking for a, like, what do you got that's a hoppier New England? And they can be like, oh, shit, we got three of these in the fridge. Let me let me go grab them. You know, that that's what I'm looking for in the modern beer, like beer bar. And Wandering Tortoise does that. It's, it's a, it makes you, it's got that modern, what we're saying about the modern beer bar, that they have a ton of choices and good beer, right. but it still makes you feel like comfortable, like what we were talking about with a dive bar, which I love. That casual comfort that you mentioned, kind of combined with a large selection, both on tap and sort of refrigerated. Um, Wes, I think they're partially owned or they are owned by the same group. You had recommended that I go to Hops on Birch and Flagstaff. Yeah. Had a chance to go there. Had a very similar vibe. You came in, wasn't overly crowded. Somebody who knew what they were doing, trying to help you figure out what it is that you wanted, even though there were so many options. Um, And it's just nice where you go in, sit down and, and you're not so worried about your surrounding or whatever. You're just kind of comfortable enjoying your drink and, and on with your way. So speaking of, we, we kind of touched on dive bars. We got into to the more fancy bars. Um, I did want to ask you both about sort of niche bars and tap rooms um, and, and sort of see if there's any examples you'd like to throw out to the listeners, uh, whether it's, it's somewhere you've been or haven't been. Um, you know, barcades, really out themed out bars, things like that uh, of that nature. Um, are there any specifically that, that you've been to or want to go to that, that you'd like to give a shout out? Yeah, Josh, I'll jump in on this one. There's there's probably three on my list of places that when I saw this topic as part of the episode guide, I my mind immediately went to these places. So in downtown Los Angeles, there's a bar called the Redwood Tavern. And it's a pirate bar, heavily nautical themed, leaning real heavy into the pirate specificness of that. So I'm a big fan of that bar. 
in Austin, Texas, there is a Christmas theme bar called Lala's Little Nugget. Like year-round Christmas theme? Yeah, year-round Christmas, Christmas drinks, Christmas lights, Christmas music. So yeah, all year round in Austin, and then amazing uh, name by the way, Lala's Little Nugget. Yeah, Lala's Little name. Nugget. Yeah. <laughs> and then in New Orleans, there's a, uh, I guess from what I've read it and kind of making sure I had the right name and location and everything for this bar, but everyone has called it a classic rock bar, but it's called the Dungeon, and it's in New Orleans, Louisiana, and you have to it's it basically you enter through a narrow pathway between two other bars and you walk downstairs and it's it's basically a dungeon it is like very dark skulls everywhere there's a couple of cages you can sit in as like part of a seating area there's multiple <laughs> seating areas there's a rule about you're not allowed to take any photos within the space and they're pretty adamant about that but there's, you know, classic rock and heavy metal constantly playing and it's hard to see anything, but those are, those, that's the, I would say the third on my list of the bars that really stand out to me as theme bars. Yeah, I'll go with a couple local Phoenix places. I mean, I'll first, let me just start out with you guys know me. I love video games. You guys also know me. I love the shit out of some arcade games. So mix the two arcade and bar i'm in just being fully transparent i'll hit up a dave and busters any day of the week (laughs) they might not have the good beer but i'll go um but the better version of that in phoenix here there's uh, there's a bar called cobra arcade cobra arcade room um and it's arcade arcade games that they actually rotate on a pretty good basis which is cool oh nice Um, and they always have really good craft beer they actually um, they partnered, I think like a year ago with Arizona Wilderness Brewery to do a collaboration brew uh, that they had at their place for a long time. I don't think they still have it anymore, but so that kind of shows you their dedication to craft beer, which is really cool. Uh, the other one I'll call out that is, it's a really cool place. It's called Undertow in Phoenix. Um, it's under Sip Coffee Garage. Sip Coffee is like a, it's a chain of coffee places. I think there's two or three now. Um, they're a cool place that they have coffee and craft beer, but undertow is Sif coffee garage is an old, uh, auto repair place. And they have the underground auto repair part and they turned that into its own bar under it. And it's, it's like ship themed. So it's like, you're going into inside of the ship, uh, every 30 minutes, they, there's like a thunderstorm. Uh, you can see the the windows of the ship because it's underground obviously they're tvs so they change it to like rain and like waves hitting you it's really cool the only the only knock i'll give it is they only it's not craft beer that's for sure they only have uh like fancier drinks and they are like 35 dollars each so we were a little surprised by that but i'm glad i went once it's worth checking out it was pretty cool wow I'll mention a couple. So one, uh, and I mentioned that I hadn't been to Andy, you may have been there, but good times at Davy Wayne's um, it's sort of once, a, a yeah. 70 eighties theme. You actually enter through an antique shop and, and walk through an old refrigerator to get in. Um, they kind of have, I think they're known for like having snow cones and popcorn and things in the background, but they, they kind of go all in on the seventies, the eighties, uh, which was my understanding. Always wanted to go, never quite made it. 
Uh, the other one that we have all been to is minus five degrees in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> yes, my did. experience was different than uh, both of yours, uh, but I still sort of just thought the idea of being totally encompassed in, in ice and, and everything being served to you out of that was sort of cool and, and unique and, and interesting to be in Las Vegas where after you walked outside, it was probably 110 degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was also uh, for Josh's bachelor party. It was. So yeah, that's long. why Josh had a different experience than the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> it was long, long ago. Um, and, and the last couple that I'll mention were actually at a Prague uh, on a trip that my wife and I went to. They have a ton of sort of, and you mentioned the dungeon theme. They had a lot of that castle theme. But the really cool ones, they, they had a lot of alchemy bars. Um, the one I liked the most was called Kelly, Kelly Ixer. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but you sort of go underground. They have lots of different drinks with, you know, dry ice. They have decorations uh, for, for sort of the elixir or, or magic sort of properties that the, the city was known for way back in the day. Um, and you just kind of walked in there and you were almost in a, a completely separate world. Wes, I don't know if, it, if you had a chance to go to any of them, but, but some of those underground pubs there were really cool. I did not. I saw a few of them, but we never ended up making it to one. Some of them were creepier than others, but it was was good good either way. So Josh, you mentioned just now that there's a couple of these you haven't been to that you would want to get to. And it really led me to a topic that I've kind of forgot to mention or uh, something I forgot to mention in topic number one. And I just, for me, it's something I always do, but I wanted to just see if that's something that you both do. When I travel to a new city, if I've never been there, one of the first things I'm looking to do is I find a dive bar and I'm looking to find a dive bar because I'm going to go there. I'm going to get a beer and I'm going to talk to the bartender. I'm going to talk to someone who's at the bar and I'm going to find out what I should be doing or where I should (laughs) be going in that city. And that is something that I have found success with. I've been, it was passed down to me from, from one of my old bosses. That was something that he always did. He recommended that I do it. And I found great success in going to a dive bar first in a new city to then figure out what I should be doing from the locals in that city. Is that yeah, something I, that you both find advice. yourself doing? I, so especially when I travel a lot for work, I would say that I 100% followed the go to a bar and sit at the bar so you can meet people. It's just fun. Like you've been by yourself traveling for work. It's, it's nice to talk to a bartender, talk to people next to you. I think it brings it back to what we talked about earlier too. It's just, I'm too interested in the new places, beer scene and new beer. So I want to do that. So I'm, I think I'm traveling more to the brewery or like the beer bar right. and yeah. sitting at the bar and talking to the the bartender and the people around me, you know? And, and I, I feel like that's just, I know I'm going to find people in those places that are similar to me and, and can tell me what I want. And I still get to try a new great beer, you know? It's still yeah, good advice, true. Andy, though, depending on what you're looking for, is if you go to a bar, explain to whoever's serving you, if they, if they seem knowledgeable, ask them where you should be going, go to another bar, ask them for the same thing. And as soon as you see some of those uh, names yeah. pop up twice on a list, like that's probably where you should be headed. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's do a little compare and contrast and see yep. which which place is, uh, is like that common thread through all of it. And then that's exactly. the one for sure to go to. All right. Well, that takes us off of our uh, our, our fun t- uh, sort of main topics for the evening. Um, one of the pieces of news that we had been chatting about throughout the week, and I think this occurred a couple of days ago, 
but untapped uh, sort of parent company ended up purchasing uh, a direct-to-consumer purchase uh, sort of company or, or ability um, that may be on their way. Idea being that Untapped could actually like show you a list of beers that they could ship you. You could select them and, and they'd be delivered. You know, I think that's really cool. Would love to hear what you guys think about it. I'm also sort of interested in you know, what would Untapped have to offer you to go forward. I think you're both maybe on beer drop. Uh, so what would kind of have to persuade you to shift over to whatever it is that Untapped might offer in, in the, the coming months? Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see how they do it because Josh, I, I almost disagree in the fact that Untapped's been really good with their acquisitions of not buying stuff and taking it over and folding it straight into Untapped. Yeah, I think what I what I would like to see is Untapped use their resources to put it into their platform, into the craft seller platform and really give it everything we want out of it. Put ratings on, put the untapped ratings on there, put everything we want and make it a little bit more like, cause I'll be honest, I love beer drop, but no online beer seller has like really wowed me. I feel like they're mm-hmm. all, I mean, they're always gonna be a little expensive. So I don't think sure. untapped will be able to solve that, but n- none of them have been like wowed me. None of them have great websites. It's never all that easy to navigate. So maybe untapped coming in, will put the capital and honestly, all the the people that Untap has into this and how they've done such a good job improving their app, maybe imp- improve Craft Sellers app and and give us a one that we all do want to use. Yeah, Wes to kind of build upon that. I we've seen especially now in with COVID and the pandemic and the stay at homes, all of these virtual beer festivals popping up, where you are buying a ticket and you're getting beer shipped to you, and uh, speaking of that untapped actually has like a European festival that's coming up that they've been promoting where you're yeah. getting, you know, European beer shipped to you. And I think what this is going to eventually lead to is a service similar to beer drop, just in- integrated within untapped where you can identify beers that you want to try. And, and my hope would be, and Josh, to your question, I think what would drive me to that service is the ability to get beers from around the country main main beer company i i i can't recall drinking a beer from there but you guys keep talking about it and say it's fantastic (laughs) so if if i can get a beer from there if i can get you know some of these other really popular beers on the east coast shipped to me in the pacific northwest that is going to drive me to use that beer drop is specific to colorado and their breweries that are in colorado and so yeah i like that i love colorado beers but if untapped and this acquisition can begin to expand the ability for purchase and shipping of beer to me from across the country, I will jump right into it. Yeah. Wes, I think your sort of assumption that they'll go into this slowly, they'll figure out, you know, what is the best way to use this technology? That's probably all true. My kind of big hope and maybe something that, that could come true eventually Untapped has sort of the wish list. I, I think we all use it. I know I've seen Wes's. Andy, I don't know if you use it, um, but I kind of have slowly just built up over the years beers that, you know, Wes gave something a five, Andy gave something a five. I'll throw it on that wish list, knowing that eventually if I'm in the area, it might ping me that, you know, it, it's available. If Untapped emailed me tomorrow and said, hey, we can ship you your whole wish list for $100, I'd sign up immediately. 
just because they're able, <laughs> if they could find a way to grab yeah. all those beers across the country to what Andy's talking about, um, like I'll pay way more than a, a normal amount for a beer just to get those things that I've been dying to try. I have a feeling if you could get your whole wish list <laughs> shipped to you, it'd be a lot more than $100 if you paid the normal price at every single one of those breweries. So Probably. I would also I pay for that list. if you could do that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's high hopes, but I do think, I, I mean, I, it, that would be really difficult because this tiny breweries aren't going to be able to give untapped thousands sure. of beers to ship out. Right. Yeah. But it would be very cool that on your wish list, the second they do have one available online, it pings you and go, do you want to order this beer? Like, right. do you want to add this to your cart? And that would be, that yeah. would be amazing. You're right. That'd be super cool. I could also see them partnering with maybe it's a brewery a week or something where they announce the brewery, the beers that are available sort of pre figure out some of those logistics. Um, and maybe they go around the country and find the more popular beer places I was joking about Treehouse the other day. If, if the first kickoff was, you know, we're going to take one week orders of Treehouse and then ship it all, similar to what we were just talking about, I think we'd pay way more than, than what I'd pay getting there just to, to have it shipped to me so I could try it. Yeah. Lastly, this week we do have a homebrew update, but it's going to be a live taste test update, um, which Andy's going to bring us uh, up right after the break. Hey there, thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at the Brews Day Review. Cheers. And now back to the show. Ooh, welcome okay. back to okay. the Brews Day Review. Andy's getting crazy over there. Um, we do have a special uh, unique beer of the week this week. Um, and that is Andy's homebrew uh, that he's told us a bit about in the past. We're going to let him kick it off uh, with sort of what uh, a brief recap of kind of what you created. Um, and then Wes and I will, will jump into what we're drinking tonight. So with that, Andy, uh, why don't you try your beer and let us know what you think? Yeah. So first I'll kick it off with what I made. And then I'll just kind of dive into my first kind of taste thoughts on it. So I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but I got a single Chinook IPA from Northern Brewer. That's where the recipe came from. The description for the recipe was not very um, descriptive. descriptive. <laughs> it was very concise. It just said it didn't even give like a perspective ABV. Sure. It. I think. I think it used used the word like medium when it came to. <laughs> the potential abv so what even is medium what would you you consider medium (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah on the website alcohol content medium so real quick uh just a, a little description but this is uh this american ipa beer kit has a relatively modest gravity and an immodest hop character derived entirely from a single hop variety which is the Chinook, I or Chinook hop variety. So, this was about four weeks ago. I brewed this and just pulled it out of bottle conditioning. I I put it into 32 ounce like flip top bottles. I did make a comment that during the fermentation process, I never really saw bubbles with my own eyes, so I was a little worried <laughs> that I might have not made beer. But when I transitioned it from fermentation to bottle conditioning, I tried it. I tried a little bit and it tasted like flat beer. 
Yeah. And when I just popped this bottle, it had a good pop and it looked like it had some good carbonation using uh, my, you know, taking some gravity readings, the original gravity and the final gravity. I gathered it was about six and a half percent ABV. And I will say that it tastes like beer. It has a a pretty dark color. I don't know if you can color you guys see it. It's it's definitely a darker color. Does it taste like a bubbly beer? <laughs> it tastes it tastes a little flat. Yeah. It, I maybe needed like one more fizzy drop in there. A little <laughs> bit more sugar. But it tastes like beer. It tastes much more like malt forward for this one. So it almost would say it's like maybe it's I would probably say it's closer to like a red IPA. Okay. Then interesting. Then maybe what they're advertising just from the kind of like malt forward flavor I'm getting. If this was hop, like, excuse me, if this was more carbonated, I think it would maybe have a slightly different flavor profile just from that kind of carbonation. But I'm proud of this. This is my second homebrew. It was not a total failure. I was very worried because I, I've never done it in or never a uh, bottle conditioned in these 32 ounce flip tops before. So I wasn't sure how it would react. Basically put it in the closet for two weeks, never looked at it again <laughs> um, until I pulled it out this last Sunday. But I'm, I'm pretty happy with this so far. I wish it was a little bit more carbonated, but it's not been a total failure. And I already have my next recipe kind of lined up that I might jump into this weekend. So all will all, you drink the rest of them? Yeah, I will drink the rest have? of them. Yeah, I think that's a success right there. I have, yeah. I have three of these thirty-two ounce bottles. They're not full to the thirty-two okay. ounce mark, but they're probably somewhere in the, you know, twenty-four ounce, twenty-four to twenty-eight ounce mark, and I definitely will be drinking a few more of these. Great nice. job, Andy. Wes, what are you drinking? Thank you. That you didn't make. I am drinking another beer that Josh brought me well he gave me the other one in denver the spruce tip in denver this one josh gave me in phoenix when he came in town this weekend uh it's called color book from outer range brewing in frisco colorado uh it's a 7.5 percent abv double ipa um i don't think they call out new england but i'll show you guys this in the that's camera that looks like orange juice it is an orange juice boy it's an orange boy um it's it's really good. It's so the cool thing about this, it's called Color Book. They collaborated with More Collection in Denver, Colorado, which is screen pr- printing business, who does a bunch of like t-shirts and uh, flags and stuff, and I'll show it to you guys. But really cool, let's see if I can show it. Really cool <laughs> design, but it is actually like a blank um thing, so it's like actually like you could color it in and they encourage you to color it in and send them out to it on their Instagram, which is a pretty cool thing. Um, four different hops, Strata, Azaka, Mateka, and Mosaic. It's, like I said, it's really good beer. It's super well-balanced. Um, not much hop coming through, uh, for a double IPA, which personal preference is not great. Brewing is pretty impressive. Just like the overall brewing strategy of being able to do that is pretty impressive. Um, it's really good. I'm easily over a four, not exactly sure where I'm landing yet, but somewhere probably like four, two, four, three at this point. Nice. You said the word color book and I am just really hoping that I brought my home with me and I can't remember. <laughs> and if I didn't, you I'm did going to be not. really disappointed. 
Dang it. Wes, are we going to get to see <laughs> your artistic abilities applied to that can label? And will it be making an appearance on our Instagram? It might be making an <laughs> uncolored appearance on our Instagram. Oh, an un- okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this week I am drinking a uh, sort of a repeat, but not for me, is uh, Wes, while I saw you this weekend, you handed me off just before I left a you say goodbye, I say hello. Um, it was the kind of Goldwater Brewing uh, sort of handoff from King's Beer and Wine. Um, and, and if you want to hear kind of the whole story, I think Wes did a, a really good job of kind of explaining the context around it. Uh, I think it was last week or, or the week before. I think two weeks. It's an 8% ago. ABV. is two weeks. Uh, 8% ABV, 4.29 average. Um, I'm really liking it right now. The the one thing that was sort of surprising is I think the first hop that they mentioned is Topaz. Um, and it's not something that I've had a ton of beers where that was sort of the featured hop. Um, it's a bit on the sweeter side, but because it's, um, you know, it, it is a double dry hop hazy, it still has the smoothness. So I'm really liking it. Um, and there is that little bitter kick at the end. Um, so yeah, it, it's great. I think I'm probably closer to like a four, 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 one. All right. So let's jump into the big board. Uh, we will quickly go through last week's uh, just because I didn't do all that great. Uh, but we did international rugby for the South American championship. Uh, we had Uruguay and Brazil, Chile and Argentina. And then we also added in a friendly, which was Australia and New Zealand. The three of us, uh, actually, sorry, Wes and I were right on, right on the bubble. Uh, we had picked Uruguay, Argentina, and New Zealand. Wes, though, getting much closer with the tiebreaker, taking first place give you a second i'm sure you had a lot of thought process that went into to making these picks and and ultimately picking the right tiebreaker so i wouldn't say much closer on the tiebreaker because (laughs) i ended up going 149 just to to prices right rob but i will say i did call out last week that my original thought was 117 and i got laughed at a little bit and it ended up being 125 so i was very close with my original guess I just decided to play the strategy game and go one under Rob with 149 and it did pay off and I'm happy about it. So Rob did get second, uh, but we, we had sort of strategically put him in a place where he, he couldn't get first. So he, he kind of got the, the best deal that he could out of this. His tiebreaker was 150. Um, I ended up picking third place uh, with 152 as my tape tiebreaker. Um, and Andy, your picks didn't go so well. Um, any any thoughts on that? Not really, because I don't know anything about international rugby. I've We're I've only ever I've only ever attended two rugby matches in my life. <laughs> so, That's more than I have. That's two more than I have gone to. <laughs> exactly. So, it's no excuse. <laughs> also, one of the one of the matches I've been to was with the with the All Blacks. So. And you I didn't uh, even pick them. Look at you. I, I didn't even Jeez. pick them. I know. So I mean, I'll, I'll quick. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I got nothing to say. Dead last. Dead not, last. Not closing all this right. week. Not closing at all. <laughs> not not closing this week. Um, the big board rankings still were slightly working in your favor. Um, taking a quick look at sort of the update. Rob remains in first place with 36 points. Over the last five weeks, he's got 12 points. So he he's been killing it. Wes, you held on to second. Your win uh, probably got you even a bit closer to Rob. You're at 30 points with nine points in the last week. 
Andy, you still managed to hold on to third place at 22 points. Um, and I am holding up the rear there with 20 points, but I have the ability to, to surpass you this week and, and I'm going to give it a go. Would you say that you're closing Josh? We're all closing. We're all, cl- we're all Except trying to close on Rob. That's not true. <laughs> you skipped past Rob or Josh, you really quickly skipped past. You gave everybody our last five week scores. I don't think you mentioned yours. In no, the last five weeks, you have scored three points. Yeah. Compared to Andy's 11, my nine and Rob's 12. I don't think I'd give you closing. I think <laughs> you're you fading in fourth. Fading, yeah. Held on to not fading last week. So congratulations. Mm. Thank you. I got some <laughs> congratulations out of this, yeah, which is all go. I was going for. Uh, so this week's big board, uh, we actually, we are recording here on a Tuesday night. The Dodgers-Tampa Bay game just ended. The Dodgers ended up picking up the win. Um, knowing that we're only going to have baseball here for, uh, you know, at most another week and a half, two weeks. Uh, we wanted to, to make some picks on the World Series games. We're specifically going to be picking games three and four. Uh, pitchers have not been declared for those games, so it's sort of open-ended there. Um, and then we're going to throw in a tiebreaker of total home runs across those two games. So we saw three home runs tonight. Um, we'll kind of see how that plays out in games three and four as the players figure out the field. Um, but with that, as the winner from this week, Wes, please let us know who you think is going to win games three and four. Yeah, so I've, as I've told you guys, I am not a big baseball fan. We always joke about these like random sports we do and how we have no idea. And it's all funny that we're all picking random picks. I really baseball screwed myself really going into the baseball <laughs> pick and first because I also don't know much about baseball. Um, I am kind of torn. I feel like without the home field advantage, I feel like there's not like any way to pick it. It's baseball. Anybody can win any game. Both teams are doing great. Um, I'm not going to split it. I'm just going to go negative against your Boys, I know oh, you're no. both Dodgers fans, and I'm just going to oh, come no. at you with two Tampa Bay wins. Both double Rays, Tampa Bay dude. Wins. Yep. The I'm Tampa Bay double Rays. The double Rays. <laughs> um, and I, I will admit that uh, Andy had to help me out a little bit with, like, what even is a normal amount of home runs in games. But uh, I, uh, I'm hoping it's low because – as also Andy told me that you that the Dodgers have just been killing it with home runs lately. So I'm hoping to help out them not beating the Rays in those two games. There's going to be less home runs, and I'm going to go with a total of four to go just under average. Ooh. Okay. Four across the two games. Okay. Yep. I applaud you for the bold strategy of picking – Two raise victories. <laughs> All right. I, I like your picks, Wes, but I'm going to go the You did not like direction. my picks, Josh. Don't <laughs> lie to the people. I, I think you you thought through them. You had a rationale, and, and for that, I applaud you. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Dodgers winning three and four. Um, not that it, it matters this round. I think the Rays might pick up two, and then I think the Dodgers will come back strong. Um, with that, my tiebreaker is probably going to be closer to uh, – I'm going to go with nine home runs across the two games. 
Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's a little bit. That's a little bit higher than the average. I will say for game it one, is. there was a total of just three home runs. So Correct. if that was the case, there would be six across two games. So that's a little high. But yeah, so I will go. I'm actually going to pick Dodgers game three, Rays game four. Ooh. As a okay. Dodgers fan, what is what is the 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 overall series going to be at at that point with you picking that? I think it's going to end up being. I think it's going to end up being at the end of four games. It's going to be three one Dodgers. Okay, that was so, just a little bonus question. Just wanted yeah. to know. Yeah, I got you. So I think Dodgers will take game three. They the Dodgers have announced who's pitching game three. That's Walker Bueller. They don't know who's pitching game two and they don't know who's pitching game four, but they know game three. <laughs> and Walker Bueller is a stud. So I think the Dodgers are going to take game three. I'll give game four to the Rays. For my home runs, I'm gonna I'm gonna price is right, Josh, on the underside. I'm gonna go eight home runs total for those two games. How's that feel, Josh? It feels great, yeah, Josh. I, I think I'm, we're going. I'm, I'm I think we're going over that. You in? I'm real confident, and the fact that we didn't pick the the same picks kind of means that your price is right. Doesn't matter so much. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. So, uh, as you're all aware, we do not have Rob with us tonight. His picks are incoming uh, via WhatsApp message. We will get those to you all as soon as we can or within the next episode. But uh, yeah, his, his picks will be interesting as well. I don't think he's been following as much baseball. Um, so we'll see what he comes back with. Hey there, this is Andy giving Rob's big board picks. Rob has the Rays taking game three, the Dodgers taking game four, and for his tiebreaker, a surprisingly low three home runs. And now back to Josh. And quickly jumping into our lightning round. So I'm going to stick us with a baseball theme. And I'm going to give you some situations. These situations are partially you are a player playing in the World Series. You're a manager in the World Series. Or you happen to be one of the lucky fans who are of the 11,000 at Arlington Stadium uh, getting to watch your favorite team play in the World Series in Andy and I's situation. All right, so we'll start with Wes. Uh, I've got three situations for you. The first, you're in the ninth inning, base is loaded. You're walking up to at-bat. You're hoping to to knock in the winning run for your team. You've got a beer with you. What are you doing? Intimidate the pitcher, dump it, chug it, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Second situation, you're the starting pitcher walking up to the mound for the first time, staring down sort of your, your opposing dugout. Third situation, you are the manager um, and your pitcher has just given up a home run uh, in, in game five. All right. You know what? I think I got my answers pretty quick here. I'm pretty excited about these. I'll start with Port because my manager, as the manager, my pitcher just gives up a home run. Maybe I'm not, not even pouring that out. I might be throwing it out of the dugout in his direction <laughs> just to show my disgust with him. Um. I'll go to sip next. I think I'm going starting pitcher. I'm just going to look. I, I don't want to look like I'm like aggressively chugging a beer. I just want to look calm and collected, <laughs> taking a sip on the way. You know, maybe a few sips even on the way to the mound. Set it down next to the mound and then, yeah. and then get going, you know. 
Okay, wait, sorry. I just messed this up. I'm going to switch that. <laughs> Screw it. I'm chugging as a pitcher because I just got a new idea for the batter. I'm chugging as the pitcher only because I want to sip as the walk for the ninth inning. I'm walking to uh, as the batter. Yeah. Ninth inning, walking up, bases loading, walking to bat. I'm going to sip. I'm going to I'm going to switch this up on you. I'm going to sip that beer. I'm going to set it down. But I'm set it down real close to home plate because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hit a home run, grand slam. I'm going to run back to that base, and you can't tell me I can't chug that beer at that point. So I'm going <laughs> to leave it. True. I, I want to leave some beer to celebrate with at that point. So I'll, yeah. I'll switch it up halfway through. Okay. Sorry to change my answers, but no, I think yep. that's the right way to go. At Wes, that point, I, I, I do appreciate you. your answers. The one thing I will say is that as the manager – regardless of the situation, the consumption of a beer as a manager does not impact your physical performance in, in a sporting event. So yeah, there... as the manager, I'm just sitting in the dugout. So I have like 14 more beers under yeah. the bench. Right. Right. Waiting yeah. for me, so I'm the okay. alcohol won't hit you that. <laughs> so that's yeah, what's in the fine. Gatorade cooler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Josh. So I'm going to go for you next. We got three situations. Situation number one. You're a fan in stands and a foul ball is flying directly towards you and you have no glove and you have to catch the ball in your cup that is full of beer. Right. Situation number one. Okay. Situation number two, you're the announcer and the team that you are the announcer for hits a game winning home run to win one of the games of the world series, but you also have to be announcing at the same time. And number three, you are a player and your team is celebrating a World Series victory in the locker room after winning the World Series. I feel like the we've won the World Series. We're celebrating in the locker room. Everyone is sort of spraying their beer out anyway. And I feel like that's a really easy uh, excuse to pour my beer out is you're just like spraying it at your teammates uh, sort of in celebration. So that's yeah. like your pour, but instead of a pour, it's a instead spray. of a pour, I'm just spraying it on everybody. The fan with the foul ball flying toward me, I feel like not only you're going to amp up the people watching, maybe any of the players that see you, but if you can manage to chug the whole beer and then catch the ball in the cup, like you've like you are the play of the game at that point. Yeah, that that would be that would be the like ESPN highlight of that game over and over again for years or worst case scenario it's actually the blooper where i'm trying to chug the beer and i don't quite get it and i just get hit in the face with the ball yeah but i think i'm help. willing to i'm willing to take the chance and i do think there's just something classy about like a vince scully or somebody calling the the game the game is over you've won you're sipping your beer you're sort of celebrating as much as you can with the players on the field trying to convey the moment i feel like that sort of fits see i almost like the the chug by the announcer just cuz of how funny would it be the second <laughs> yeah. they hit the game winning home run and the announcer's just silent for a while <laughs> just, just like where is this guy like oh sorry chug my beer woo <laughs> Uh, it's very like reminiscent of uh, Major League, like the movie about the the Indians with like where the the announcer just like always drinking, or even like Brockmire, yeah. the show, where he's like a baseball <laughs> announcer just like always drinking during the games. 
All right. But Andy, I, I did like those uh, very much. Um, and, and I think I, I really liked my answers to them as well. All right. So Andy, flipping it back to you, I've got three situations to go through. The first, uh, similar, your team, the team you were rooting for dropped a fly ball in the infield and you were standing directly behind home plate. So you're like front and center, TV's on you. So I'm a fan. You're a fan. Okay. In this scenario. Second, you've been selected to pinch hit. You're standing on the on deck circle, staring down a pitcher who has just given up, uh, you know, uh, or has just thrown a couple of strikeouts. Um, So you're sort of third up and and you're coming in to pinch hit and, and trying to stare down that pitcher. Third, you are in right field. Uh, this has happened a couple of times, luckily on the Dodgers side, and you steal a home run out of right field and you just happen to have had a beer snuck into your back pocket for the moment. Those are your three. All right. I definitely know the the first one's very easy. The, the chug is me as the right fielder, just robbing the home run. That's the situation where it's one of those, you like, you rip it out of your back pocket, you slam it against your forehead to crack it open, and you just like <laughs> let it just like pour into your mouth. So that's the chug. I got us, I got to sip, I got to sip the beer in the on deck circle. You got to show confidence. You got to show that kind of calm attitude. Cool, calm, collect. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The pitcher ain't going to phase me. I don't care if I've done nothing all game. I've just been drinking beers in the dugout. I'm going to sip one more beer just before I go up to the plate. <laughs> And similar to to Wes's decision about uh, expressing frustration, if I'm sitting behind home plate and I see my team drop a foul ball or like a fly ball in the infield, there's netting that's going to separate me from the field. Oh, but the netting will not stop the beer from being launched through the netting to hopefully hit either the catcher or the umpire. Yeah, let it fly. I I am throwing (laughs) that beer up against the netting and letting the beer fly through the netting and the net will stop the the vessel whether that's a cup or a can but i'm definitely pouring out to uh, express my frustration at the team dropping a fly ball i feel like you're still going to get kicked out but i like the pick nonetheless oh absolutely like i'm definitely he can do a quick little underthrow. No, no, no. You Under, can just a quick sneaky underthrow. No, no, I'll see it. <laughs> you know what I could also do? I could just throw it like a grenade and like like just like launch <laughs> it and try to get it yeah, over the over. netting. Yeah. But the netting behind home plate's pretty tall. Yeah. So that's a tough one. All right. Well, thanks for putting up with my baseball situation edition of Chug Sit Poor. Um, and we're going to kick off this thing uh, towards the end, as we always do with a good, bad, and ugly. Uh, do either of you have uh, something you want to kick us off with? Yeah, I'm going to jump right in. Dodgers in the World Series, and we just won game one. This happened while we were recording this episode. I'm dressed almost to the nines in L.A. Dodger gear. Is that your hop shirt? There it is my go. L.A. hop shirt. shirt. Thank you very much, Wes, for uh, this Christmas gift yes. of my – LA hot shirt. I got my Dodger hat on. Worn that worn this all day. Uh third time's a charm, I guess, in the last four years. We're hoping to get the victory. So that that's my good. Yeah, I don't think you'll feel as good as when they lose games three and four. So oh, uh, shut your mouth. When that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna... cheated out of 2017, right? Cheated <laughs> out of it. Um, I'll go next. I my good is Josh and I saw this this weekend, but Renhouse, the brewery that I talk about constantly on this podcast and off the podcast, honestly, too, um, just won gold in the New England 
hazy category or sorry, New England juicy category, I believe is what it is uh, for their Spellbinder IPA. I just had their Spellbinder DDH the other day. Um, but yeah, just one gold at the Great American Beer Festival last weekend for Spellbinder. So congrats, Renhouse. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, Wes, real quick, I'm going to jump on that. Josh, you and I both love El Segundo Brewing Company. Their Hammerland double IPA just won gold medal too. Yeah, so did. So uh, that's also part of my good. Yeah, all the all the places we love seem to be winning all the medals. That's a, that's <laughs> exactly. a good sign that, it's like that we're almost, not completely confused. Yeah, it's like we almost know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Uh, my good is also uh, with Andy's that the Dodgers got the win. Very excited to, to watch the next couple of games actually in person. The uh, game seven, I unfortunately had to sort of watch through ESPN tracker as we went in and out of service on the way back from Phoenix, um, which my wife graciously read off to me as we went. Uh, the other positive and, and sort of good was coming back from Phoenix, had a chance to spend a couple of days with Wes. Uh, we went to a bunch of great spots and, and had some beers and uh, just it was nice to be out and about and not uh, stuck in, inside by myself for a while. Well, it must have not been as good of a good for West then if he wasn't going to mention it. Oh, that was also good. <laughs> we've, we've also been mentioning this for like three weeks. So at some point we should probably stop talking about it. Yeah, I, I, I think you only said it last week. I think I said it both last episode and the episode before. So I figured maybe I should not mention it again. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it though, because it was fun. I'm just, yeah. I'm just glad Wes didn't say the good was that Andy wasn't there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that cuts deep, Josh. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, thanks you guys for joining me. Uh, I thought this was a great episode. And with that, we'll ki- uh, end this the way that we always do with a peace. 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 Thank you.